Hey everybody, how you doing? And welcome to episode number what 116 of the John Riley Project. Today is Wednesday, March 4th, 2020, and we're here with David Leland. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing great. Ready to talk some sports. Yeah, we were just talking when you showed up here that uh, the month of March is probably one of the best sports months of the year. I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I was just at Padre Spring training this past weekend, so that's what we're going to jump into first. Okay. I mean, we'll see how the team responds in their first losing streak and, mm-hmm. or when they hit some adversity and how he manages a bullpen and writes a lineup. But so far, nothing but positive things to say about Jason Tingler and his coaching staff. I mean, the attention to detail he had when I was watching the drills at the complex before the game on Sunday, was absolutely fantastic. The attention to detail he had in every aspect. So you were out in all those backfields out there when they were working on drills? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. So um, you know, Andy Green wasn't really a hands-on manager, was he, like for doing instruction? No, it was just pretty much they just pretty much did it. But with Jace Tingler, like there is a lot of attention to detail. It seems like there's a lot of focus on the fundamentals. I don't know if you saw James Clark from East Village Times and his videos of no, Tingler like showing like base running stuff and like he was really intense while doing it. That's another thing I noticed when he was with not only the insane attention to detail, but the intensity when throughout these drills. Well, he was doing the one where you were taking I saw the clip where he was doing a lead off of first base. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you don't kind of pussy ass your way back to the bag. I mean, you go boom boom firm. Um so, you know, th- that's attention to detail and those are the little things that make a a team good. Absolutely. And I just see like there's a lot more, you know, inten- like I said, intensity, mm-hmm. focus on detail. And I think that's really going to help this team and I I mean, it's too early to tell, but I really think there's going to be a big-time culture change this year. Well, it seems like the the feedback I've heard from the players is that they're really, you know, embracing Tingler because, you know, he's not coming in like, you know, he's the BMOC. You know, he's it's not he's not Bochy or Showalter with a lot of swagger. He's humble. He's building relationships. And he's just really trying to win everybody over. Mm-hmm. And I got, you got to give that guy credit. That's mm-hmm. the right way to do it. And his coaching staff, too, is impressing me. I mean, you saw the Bobby Dickerson's really grilling Hosmer on his defense. And so far this <laughs> spring, he looks much, much better defensively. I think Hosmer was even saying that he felt he was better yeah. because of the drills. I mean, if you've been watching the spring training games, you see he's made some nice picks on some hard-hit balls. And mm-hmm. he dug a Tatis throw out of the dirt last week. He's played a lot better defense. So far this spring, and so is that is that Dickerson that's doing that work with yeah him? Bobby Dickerson, new bench coach. Okay, because I know. And then who's the other new coach? The first base coach Wayne Kirby, also with Machado in Baltimore, like Dickerson was. But Kirby's more of an outfield guy, right? Yeah. Okay, but Dickerson's the infield guy. He's the one that's been drilling Hosmer, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Good, good. And the first day of spring training, he's like, "You ain't that pretty. Get your face in front." <laughs> that was really funny. So, is. No, this is crazy how they did this because they originally hired Dickerson at, to be the bench coach, right? Yes. And so, you know, for him, that was a promotion, right? So that allowed him to make it more easily for him to leave Baltimore, right? Well, he was with Philadelphia last year, oh, but yeah. Pardon me, Philly. But then they kind of did a little sneaky thing is that they had a bench coach and an associate manager, right? Mm-hmm. For Schumacher, right? Yeah, that's correct. So it's almost like they have two bench coaches. Yeah, they pretty much do. Mm-hmm. So that's going to, I think, would be really helpful for Tingler. You know, as a first-time guy out there, he's going to have, you know, two wingmen. Yeah. And when Schumacher played, whether he was with St. Louis or L.A. or Cincinnati mm-hmm. at the end of his career, he was always a really smart player. So Right. And he, he'll get in your face, too. So, you know, he's, he's, he can be pretty hardcore. Yeah, absolutely. So that's great. All right, right on. 
One thing I got to say about this new coaching staff is I was concerned about the pitching coach hire with mm-hmm. Larry Rothschild because I thought, oh, he's just going to try and get all these guys to throw a slider even though it doesn't work because that's what happened with the Yankees in New York. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they're talking about Paddock working to improve his curveball mm-hmm. like instead of adding a slider, which was kind of a surprise to me. So that almost makes me think if that the, it was the Yankees organization that was doing that and Rothschild was fired because he wasn't going along with it. Interesting. So... That was one of my big concerns, but it seems like, to me, more and more so that that wasn't a Rothschild thing, but a Yankees organizational thing, and that they fired him because they wanted maybe a puppet, because they did hire a young guy okay. to replace him in okay. New York. So that's kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So um, whatever happened, what was our, oh, why can't I think of the old pitching coach's name? Darren Balsley. Balsley. So he's still with the team. Yeah, isn't they he? reassigned him working with minor leaguers, I believe. Did you see him out there on the field? I didn't. Okay. But... Um, you know, I, I saw the highlights of uh, Garrett Richard. And, or was it Richard or Richards? Richards. Okay, Richards. Clayton was Richard. Yeah. Singular. Yeah. So um, I saw Garrett Richards, some of the highlights. He looked fantastic. People forget how good he was in Anaheim before he got hurt. Yeah. Throws hard. He's got a nice slider. You know, I think he's going to be good if he can stay healthy. He Fingers was, crossed. He was saying that he feels more healthy now than he has at any time since high school. That's how good he feels. Yeah, well, when he was with the Angels, you know, he had the knee injury in 2014 that carried over into 15. And then he spent all those years getting, like, PPRs trying to avoid Tommy John, PPR mm-hmm. injections, until he couldn't, you know, or PRP, sorry, mm-hmm. and he um, until he couldn't anymore. And then that's when he had the Tommy John. So it's quite possible that once I saw that, I was like, or remember that, I was like, okay, so maybe there is more hope he can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean if, if he's throwing... Fastball's 96-97, and he has that sharp slider he can throw for a strike. Yeah. It's like, holy crap. He looked fantastic against yeah. Milwaukee yesterday. Really impressive. Um, so, yeah, you know, we, we, I think we were talking about this before, is that you know, there was a lot of pressure for them to get an ace, but maybe they don't need an ace because they've got all these other guys. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Going, this is what I wanted to get into pretty much all the spring training games that have happened so far next, so let's just dive right into that. I mean, okay, sure. during the they have, I believe, come into today it obviously went up today because they gave up nine runs, but coming into today I believe they had the best ERA and I think not just the Cactus League, but any major league team in spring training. That's great. I mean, Lamette looked really good against Cincinnati mm-hmm. on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They only played like one or two starters, but mm-hmm. he still looked really good. Mm-hmm. He had like three strikeouts and you only gave up one hit and one walk in two innings, so that's pretty good for his first spring start of the year. You know, it's funny as you know, people say, you know, don't get too hung up on spring training results. But we're we'll we'll take anything as a San Diego fans. <laughs> you know, if we yeah. if we win the pennant of the spring training, that still is a if good If we win thing. Cactus League champions, it'll be the biggest thing we've accomplished the last 15 years. So. Exactly. Um, but you still got to think that the fact that they're they're playing well, you know, they seem to be playing with focus and energy and a little bit of edge, all those you know, intangibles that they wanted, and we're seeing it on the field. Well, here's the thing I want to say. I mean, the 9-2 is awesome, but that's not the part that has me excited. The part that has me excited is they're they're having more competitive at-bats, they're drawing more walks, they're mm-hmm. striking out less, mm-hmm. they're stealing second base probably half the time that somebody with anywhere decent speeds on first base. So I think that's the style that Jace Tingler wants to play. I mean, I've talked on here before about 
being like the 14, 15 Kansas City Royals with, you know, that bullpen and, you know, solid but not amazing hitters. Yeah. Those 14, 15 Royals, they stole second anytime anybody with somewhat decent speed was on first base. So, right. if you want to be like them completely, hey, got to take it. And you got guys who can run. Tatis can run. Myers can run. Mm-hmm. Cronenworth probably has decent speed. I believe he's stolen a base so far in spring. Grisham can Grisham, really run. Yeah, yeah, so Grisham's Grisham. been fantastic, too. Mm-hmm. He went 3-for-3 three three Friday against the Chicago Cubs when I was there in Peoria. He looks really good so far, and I was high on him since we traded for him. So to see him you know, hit a home run and get a bunt single and a nice other line drive in person was great. Have you seen the way he grips the bat? Yeah. it's Hey, it's a little unorthodox but if it works for him well he says he grips it like the way you grip a golf club yeah and so like it's like you have your thumbs kind of aligned Mm -hmm. and sometimes i think even like i don't know if he wraps the pinky and the index finger but um and so when he swings it's like he almost stops short you know just the the mechanics of it but it works it definitely works and i think he has a really good chance to have a breakout year actually in my opinion Mm -hmm. so anyways the nine and two is great but like i was saying i like the way they're playing Another thing, and I think this goes back to the culture change thing, and Don Orsillo and Mark Grant are talking about this on almost every broadcast this week. They're saying, you know what we're noticing a lot of is we're not seeing nearly as many minor leaguers like in the late innings. You know, the guys they just pull up from minor league camp like, hey, you want to fill out the roster today for the... Right. (laughs) Like, we're not seeing that. Like, Uh we're seeing like probably, what, 80, 85, maybe even 90% of the innings and at-bats are either guys who are competing for a job on going to be on the team or non-roster invitees right like Tremel played the entire game against Cincinnati on Saturday I believe he did again today against Kansas City and he had a good day today he did he had three RBIs he had a single a double mm-hmm. so yeah I mean it, it, it is interesting you, what's what's that other guy's name Vossler um, the first baseman, yeah. yeah. So he's you know he, he's like a triple A guy, I think, right? I don't think he really has much of a chance for to be on the team, but he's hit pretty well this spring. Yeah. So, so maybe you, if you just have like a barrage of injuries, or like you trade a couple guys to get something else, then maybe and then there's injuries. Then he comes up. I mean, it's pretty unlikely you'll see him in San Diego, but it's nice to know he can play if like we get extremely desperate. Yeah, but I I, I guess what I was saying is he's one of the guys that we've seen playing that is either not going to be on the major league roster, not necessarily competing for a job and not one of the young phenom prospects. Yeah. You know, he's kind of one of, for lack of a better term, the journeyman minor league. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so but you're right. We've seen very few of those types. Usually we have a whole bunch of these random dudes sort of auditioning. I mean, you'll get like one or two innings a game of those kind of guys. But I mean, that just happens early in spring training when guys are only going, you know, two, three innings. Mm -hmm. Going back to some of the things I've seen from, you know, Paddock has five shutout innings so far Mm -hmm. in the spring. Working on his curveball against the Chicago White Sox the other day. Did he have success with it? Uh, I believe he got a, he didn't get any strikeouts on it, but I believe he got like a weak ground ball on one of them. Good. I mean, he just has to show it. If he just shows it, you know, 10 or 15% of the time, then the other two pitchers are going to be Oh, great. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Kirby Yates made his spring debut today, struck out the side in order. Beautiful. Pierce Johnson looks really good, the guy we signed from Japan. Yeah, that was a guy I had no idea. Yeah. I was curious to see what he was doing. Drew Pomeranz, he gave up a run or two in, like, his first or second alley. But other than that, he's looked really good. Mm-hmm. Zach Davies, four innings, only one run. You know, Brian and Rizzo went single double against him in the first inning on Friday. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he hasn't allowed anything in his spring outings. 
Hope springs eternal. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Good. I mean, and offensively, you know, I know Machado's only like one for 11, but he's had some deep fly outs and hard hit outs, and he's drawn three walks. Well, wasn't his first swing a home run? Yeah. And then his next at bat, he flew out to the wall. Okay. And he's had a couple other ones where he's either just missed it or hit like a one hopper right at somebody. Like yesterday, he hit that one hopper up the middle on the second base when was literally playing behind the base. Well, he's swole as hell, so he's going to be knocking it around, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, we don't read much into spring training stats, so. But if, but if they're making hard contact, if they're barreling the ball early, that's, that's a great thing. You yeah, know? they're barreling. I mean, whatever the stats are, the stats, it's like, how's their swing? Are they taking their walks? You know, that mm-hmm. kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's doing. So whatever the stats are, the stats are. That, that goes for pretty much every established player, but. For some, spring stats mean a lot more for some players. Like if a guy's coming off a bad year or trying to win a spot, that's when spring stats matters. Right. And we're going to get into that a little bit with Will Myers. I mean, he's been on a tear the last couple days. Yes, he has. I was waiting to hear what you were going to say about Will Myers. Here's the thing. I mean, I've been pretty down on him Mm -hmm. after last year. But, I mean, what what I read today, actually like an hour before I came on here, gave me hope. Because we talked about this with Tommy Pham a couple podcasts ago after we first got him, how he was like, he gets on his teammates of like they're slacking off. He holds them accountable. Mm-hmm. But Tommy Pham said, in a, was quoted, and I believe it was Cassavell that wrote this, said that Myers was motivated. And if Tommy Pham's saying that, then maybe we got something here. And he's starting to, I believe he's six for nine with two homers and two doubles his last three games. Yeah. I mean, Myers has been everything we hoped he would be and more. Um, but I also saw a quote of Myers talking about Fam and saying that Fam was t- is terrific and he understands why the Padres traded for him. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like those two guys great respect for one another and hopefully Fam can help lift Myers up and maybe give him a little bit of a focus that so he I think, needs. I think what happened with that is, and I have no idea if this is true or not. This is just completely random guess, but based off the fact that Myers actually seems motivated, which is a surprise to me, that shows A, that he's actually redeemable when I was, I just lost all hope, but now he appears redeemable, and B, maybe on the first day of spring training, Tommy Pham was like, hey man, let's go, it's time to go. Yeah, right on. You're too talented to do what you've done the last couple years, it's time to go, so I would not be shocked at all if a conversation like that happened on like day one. Beautiful. Beautiful. Man, could you imagine if we have not only all this young talent, but if the major league roster can perform to their expectation, mm-hmm. I mean, this could be a, a, a just an amazing season. Oh, I definitely think that, too. I mean, I don't want to get too hopeful off of 11 <laughs> spring training games, but I do like what I've seen so right, far. Right. Good. Unfortunately, there have been there's really only one real negative because the second base is still a question mark, but mm-hmm. I do love that they brought in Brian Dozier to try and win a job. Mm-hmm. And I think Dozier, I believe he had two hits against the White Sox on Monday, I believe was when he last played. And, I mean, he came into camp late, so if he's already getting a two-hit game, then, I mean, later on in the spring, you know, maybe he'll heat up and, you know, start driving the ball like he's done in Minnesota and Washington last year. Mm-hmm. And... You know, maybe he can solidify second base because I'm really not that impressed with Profar because he had a wind-aided homer on Sunday against the Giants. And, I mean, that that play today, I mean, it went against, it ended up costing Patino three earned runs, made his stat line look terrible when he actually looked pretty good because 
you look at the stat line, you're like, oh, he gave up 30 runs. That's terrible. He struck out two guys, and of the three hits, one of them should have been an error on Profar. He should have made the play. Another one was a ground ball that hit Patino on the backside. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just really unlucky. If you actually watched it and saw how good his stuff was, you'd, you'd realize this kid's good. So yeah, yeah. that's the da- that is the absolute danger of box score watching. I kind of talked about that earlier with Machado and his batting average so far mm-hmm. this spring. It's only 11 at-bats, but still. Yeah. That's the, like the da- being the danger of box score watching. Patino's start today is literally the dangers of watching the box score 101. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're right. But a lot of people do look at the box score. But you're right. We you are watching the game. You pay attention to the pitcher's stuff, their command. Mm-hmm. You can tell if they've got it going on. But but it's baseball, and weird shit happens in baseball. I mean, yeah. And sometimes the box score is correct. Like, unfortunately, more at home today. Oh, I don't even. That was bad. I mean, he. I had so much hope after how good he looked against the Angels. You know, he got Rendon on that curveball. He got, blew a fastball past Otani. The only hit he allowed was an infield single to Trout. So I was really encouraged about him after the start against the LA Angels last Thursday in Tempe. But well, to, he's still only twenty one. Yeah, right? I mean, it's but he's still unfortunately the same Morihone he was in the minor leagues. He'd follow up dominating starts with just getting bombed, and today was embarrassing. I mean. That's not a good Kansas City team. I mean, I know there are only two losses in Cactus League play, but that's not a good team. I mean, and they didn't have Jorge Soler in their lineup today. They didn't have Whit Merrifield in their lineup today. And this stat is confirmed by my friend, by the way, that only four of the nine starters for Kansas City played, as my friend confirmed to me. And it probably, Ryan McBroom was probably the best Royal starter that played, and he's their third best hitter at best. So that, that that was a really disappointing outing from Morihone today. But, you know, the cool thing is, is they fell behind early, and they almost won. I mean, they almost pulled it off at the end. I think they lost 9-7. Yeah, right? they did. Yeah. If Profar didn't make that error and cost Patino three earned runs, they would have won. But So there's, a, there's so many ways that second base position could sort out because – like you got Dozier, you talked about the steady leader, got some good experience, mm-hmm. World Series champ. You got Profar and Preller's love affair with Profar, which I don't get. But but if Profar doesn't make the team and they cut him, then there's no, uh, they're not on the hook for the salary. That's correct. They so, just end up wasting the two guys they traded. I mean, for him. I don't even, I don't even think Austin Allen and Buddy Reed are going to be any good. But I don't know why you give up two guys for somebody who you're not. 100% he's going to be on the team. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. But, I mean, cut your losses. If Dozier and Garcia is the are the best two options, cut your losses, I guess. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, I didn't but think that, those two but are going is actually pretty damn good. Oh, I'm... I'm I'm all on the Jake Cronenworth bandwagon. I mean, seriously, and and I've been there was an article today that was talking about who the veterans thought were the the the, the big performers, and they they notified they noted Cronenworth as one of those guys. Yeah, he that was went, impressive. He went zero for two today. It dropped his average to two eighty six. But you just watch his at bats. Like he works the count. He hits line drives. Mm-hmm. And he's looked pretty good in the field too. I think he's he's definitely played second and short, maybe third too. He might have played first even, and he's looked good. So now is is that four second basemen in the mix? Dozier, Profar, Cronenworth, and Garcia. I guess you consider Cronenworth second baseman, yeah. But for me, that would be a waste of his versatility if you just make him the everyday second baseman. Yeah. Maybe him a guy who moves around. Okay, so he could be this year's Alexi Amarista. Well, about 15 times better than Alexi Amarista, <laughs> right, at <okay>. least. <laughs> and he pitches, too. Yeah. Just like Alexi. 
I mean, Alex Amarista's relief appearance in Oakland might have been the best thing he ever did for the Padres. Yeah, didn't he like shut down the side one, two, three, or something? Well, he like pitched two thirds of an inning. So, okay, yeah, good. Might even only been one third of an inning, but still, <laughs> we lost that game like fifteen to two, and he got the only guy out that he faced. So <laughs> good. Well, so yeah, so there's a lot of options at second. Um, yeah, th- this is this is going to be really interesting to see what, how Tingler and Preller make some decisions. I mean, there's a lot of tough calls to make. Yeah, there is, and that's great that there's tough calls to make. Because like the past couple of years, you're just like, oh, that guy Triple A, that guy DFA. I mean, and there's tougher decisions to make this year, tougher calls. You know, and I and I, I was even I don't know if you want to jump to the pitching staff, but I know that there's some of the relievers that we were thinking would be on the major league roster. They may start the season in AAA. Which is fine because so many guys get hurt or you need a fresh arm that it's yeah. great to have, you know, major league relievers in AAA. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's a good thing almost. Because I think they were saying Castillo might be one of those yes. guys. And I love Castillo, but hey, if he's, you yeah. know, the first guy up from AAA when somebody gets hurt, then you got a damn good bullpen. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then does the now does the outfield situation st- who starts who are the five outfielders has that changed in your mind from what you've seen so far? I mean, Myers is almost making a case to play every day, right? And I think if he just tears it out the rest of spring training, you're like, all right, go get him, big guy. Yeah. And then, but then as soon as he goes into one of his month long slumps, like, well, you can't even let it last a month. But if one of his you know slumps that he just can't get out of starts and it goes on for more than a week, then you know take him out of there, put in Naylor or Cordero. Right. So you figure um, Grisham in center. Yes. Pham in left, mm-hmm. Myers in right. Mm-hmm. And you've got uh, Naylor and Cordero. And then what about, you were high on Lagares. Uh I mean, he's... Because I think you had him as the fifth outfielder I did, originally. I did. He's just been kind of whatever this spring to me. I mean, he hasn't completely crapped himself, but he hasn't done anything special. He's just kind of been there, so yeah, I don't know. To me, he's like a safety net for Preller. Yeah. If everything kind of goes crazy, they've got a veteran they can plug in. Yeah. And then Almonte, I mean, I'm really... Oh my God, yeah. I've been surprised by him, and again, this is a don't take spring training stats too seriously, <laughs> but he looks like a guy who wants to be in the major leagues. I wouldn't put him in the major leagues, but I'm going to say, hey, big guy, you you hit the ball this spring. We want you in AAA in case somebody gets hurt. Yeah, he's he's looked terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for him, and it's his second round with the Padres, right? Mm-hmm. Good, good for him. But he's always been like a like a four A guy, right? Yeah, although he did hit well with Arizona last year as a September call up, so that's interesting to me. Good, good for him. Man, that's, it's, 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 this is incredible. I mean, we we're not like having to, you know, go dumpster diving like Kevin Towers always had to do. You know, we actually have like a lot of talent, a lot of tough choices. Yeah, although to make. Kevin Towers was actually a pretty good dumpster diver. Yeah, he was. He was. But it, we're not. We we don't have to do that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's the correct. beautiful thing yeah. is that is that there's talent coming up, and then some of these trades. Um, you know, if you look at a lot of these new players, almost in every situation, they're an improvement over who was here before. I mean, you can almost go down the line every single position, every single position in the bullpen, every single position in the rotation, and say we're better there than we were last year. Yeah. I, agree. I mean, what, Paddock's going to start opening day, probably? Who started opening day last year? Lauer? Yeah, Lauer, yeah. Richard's going to be our number two starter. Lucchese was last year. Yeah. Lamette's going to be our number three starter. Last year it was Margavichich started the third game. Margavichich. I used to always thought he was Marjavicious. Yeah. And then, <laughs> okay, I mean, but you, Davies Lucchese's a downgrade from Paddock at the four spot because Paddock started the fourth game. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, Davies Lucchese's probably better than Strom as a starter in the fifth spot, so... Pretty much you're better at every spot in the rotation than you were last year. You're right. 
and or four out of five, but yeah. And you're better in every slot in the bullpen. Well, I mean, to expect Kirby to repeat last year would be a little crazy, but he's still going to have a pretty good year. Yeah, but I mean, but the setup guys are better. I mean, Pomeranz oh, is his here. Pagan and Pagan. Like, I mean, oh I know God. Pagan allowed a wind-dated homer against um, the Giants, where Posey hit one and it got yeah. up in the jet stream and landed on the lawn. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he struck out five batters in two innings. He's got nasty stuff. Yeah, he's so, going to be a really good setup man to Kirby. And then you now you got Strom as like a long man in the bullpen. Yeah, um, Tingler's talking about using him for two three innings at a time when need be, which is perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. You know, Mac can just go out there throwing 94-95 for two, three innings. And then you got Stammen that can, you know, you get him for an inning like in the fifth or sixth. Oh, yeah. You know what Craig Stammen is? Like, last year he was way overused and he should not have been in the situations he was in. And that's not really his fault. It's more the manager's fault and the lack of other options, at least early in the season. Well, Andy Green kept going to Stammen over and over Until his arm fell off. Yeah. But, I mean, Stammen's a great guy to have. You know, it's like a 4-4 game. Let's say you have the bases loaded with two outs. You want to pinch hit for your pitcher. Stammen's the guy who can go pitch the six, whether you're tied or the pinch hitter got a hit and gave you the exactly. lead. Exactly. Yeah, precisely. Or, you know, it's a game where, like, maybe it's 5-5. It's the fifth inning. Your starter's struggling. It's a bases loaded jam. You two outs. You go get Stammen. He gets you out of the jam. Maybe he pitches the six, too. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of role that he's going to have this year, and that's perfect for Craig Stammen. So yeah, so it's like every slot in in the in the pitching staff, and then even like a lot of the starters, there's 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 definite upgrades. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get to the lineup, you look at all the positions. I mean, you figure that Mejia's gonna have better overall numbers given the way given the way that he hit after he came back up. Right. I mean, Hedges can't hit, but is he gonna hit 177 again? <laughs> He's not hitting well in the spring. He really isn't, but is he going to hit 177 again? Probably not. I mean, maybe he'll hit close to 200. I mean, that's yeah. still nothing special, but better than last year. So you mm-hmm. figure you're going to get better production from catcher. Mm-hmm. Hosmer actually had pretty good offensive numbers until the last couple months when you know him and the team just quit on Andy Green. Right. So you figure he'll be better. You figure that if Dozier can do his thing and win a spot, you figure that some combination of Dozier and then whether it's Garcia or Profar or Cronenworth will outproduce what you got from you know, Kinsler, Urias, and France last year. Oh, definitely. Yeah. For the third base with Machado, you got the same kind of deal where he quit on the manager at the end of the year and it kind of took a nosedive on his overall numbers. And his psyche will be better. Yeah, and, you know, last year, you know, he didn't know where he was going to play. Yeah, exactly. And then this year, he even said this, that he's got a full off season to come into the yeah. year. And then another thing I saw is that his numbers really went down after he got hit by a pitch in, like, on like August eighth or something like that last year, mm-hmm. after he got hit by that pitch, he his numbers really went down the rest of the year. So that's something too that you figure he'll be better. You figure even if Tatis, you know, if his BABIP or whatever regresses a little bit, I mean that's fair to think. But if he plays more than eighty four games, he'll still produce you know more home runs, RBI, stolen bases than he did last year. That's right. You figure that Fam, I mean he won't hit as many home runs as Renfro did, but he'll probably produce better overall production than Renfro. That's right. And center field, you got to figure that Grisham will be better than what you got out of Myers and Margot and whoever else the heck you threw out there last year. Right. And then. And then. And then Naylor is. Uh, how many pounds did Naylor lose? 25. Right. So it's like the Matt Mitchell of the podcast. Yeah, what you said last time. <laughs> and then, you know, you figure that in right field, you know, some combination of Myers, Naylor, Cordero will outproduce what you got. Overall, out of Reyes, because like, kind of like Renfro, Reyes just hit solo home runs, didn't hit with anybody on base, didn't draw walks, didn't do anything on the base pass, didn't play any defense. 
So you figure whatever combination you get out there will be a better overall player than Reyes was but last year. The, the right fielder that they're forgetting about is David Leland. I saw that catch that you made on TV. <laughs> that was a hell of a catch, man. Yeah, let's walk me. Let's break this catch down. Tell me about that. Well, I was like, I saw it on TV. Cause, it's been on Padre Twitter going crazy. Because I figure that, because for ball hockey, I figure that if you don't get at least one ball when you go to a spring training, you know, the complex before the game and then the game, if you don't get one ball, then you did something wrong because mm-hmm. of how easy it is to get one, either the complex or the game, if you go to both. And I didn't get, and you know, the minor leaguers weren't, you know, taking batting practice and hitting them on Sunday. Mm hmm. Uh, on the minor league field, so I didn't get a chance to get any of those that went over the fence because there were none. <laughs> and then I missed out on a couple toss-up opportunities. Trent Grisham overthrew me. Billy Hamilton underthrew me. <laughs> so I was thinking, so I think, okay, I'm just going to have to catch one. And, yeah. and I was hanging out in right field when Chris Shaw was up for the Giants, and I'm like, oh, wait, this is a lefty. I need to go over to right field. So I did. And then I'm standing like kind of near the foul pole, and then he hits the ball, and I'm like, oh, I got a chance at this. <laughs> and then the wind kind of took it back closer to fair territory. That's why I had to reach like that. Yeah, he did. But but it was a foul ball, right? It wasn't a home run. Yeah, it was a foul ball. Yeah, but that was a hell of a catch. It was full extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for you, man. You got the shades on, man. You need, and you catch it, and then you're like, yeah, I got this. Mm-hmm. No worries. It was mm-hmm. like you, you caught it like you caught, you know, you know, 20 touchdowns, like you've been there before, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was, that was great, man. Good for you. Thanks. Uh, so how many balls do you, have you collected in all of your days going to spring training and Petco and everything else? You I've got about 170. 170? But here's the thing. I've never got one anywhere other than Petco Park or spring training. 170? Yeah, that's what happens when you've been going early to games for 11 seasons. This will be my 12th season going early to games. Oh, my God. Um, I, I need to tell you my story. So I've been going to ball games since I was a kid. I, I haven't gone to spring training a lot. I've done a little bit as an adult, but never, okay. never as a youngster. Um, I've never got a ball, ever. Okay. And I've had balls land next to me. That, like at one time I was eating nachos, not paying attention to the game. The ball hit the seat next to me. I bet one other time, this is amazing. I was at Dodger Stadium right behind home plate on the second deck. It was a Dodgers Giants game. And I was there with some of my buddies from San Francisco. And you remember Michael Turner? He played for the Braves and uh, the Giants. I think I know who you're talking about. But not Michael the Burner Turner, the football player, but Michael Turner. He was like a right fielder, I think. You mean Michael Tucker? Tucker. Okay. The guy who made the last out of the 1998 NLCS against the Padres? I'm not Tucker. I thought it was Turner. This is. I I know Michael Tucker made the last out of the 98 NLCS for Atlanta against the Padres. Maybe it's that guy. I don't know. But it was Turner or Tucker. Hit a foul ball straight back. Mm hmm. And it was coming right at me. Yeah. And I was like, man, I got this. And I put my, and it had a wicked backspin on it. Yeah. And I went to catch it with my left hand. And it was hit so hard, it bounced off my fingers. It hit me in the mouth and bounced off of me. And I like oh, went, no. I went flying backwards, landed in the lap of this big bosomed woman next to me. And I got up and I'm bleeding. And and, and the ball is God knows anywhere. And then the the, um, the ushers came running down to me. Are you okay? You okay? And you got to come back with us. We got to put ice on that. And they were like all Johnny on the spot at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Give them credit. But it was my, fr- after I kind of came out of it, my friends were just busting up laughing at me. <laughs> and I was probably... I was probably about 40 years old when it happened. So it was like 15 years ago. But um, that's the closest I've ever come. I've never, still have never 
got a ball and you have 170. That's unbelievable. I mean, it's it's a lot easier to get them when you go early to games. Yeah. Because that's when, that's when I put up most of my numbers. Like that's <laughs> Before you put up your numbers. Like, yeah. This is great. So good for you, man. That's Thanks. awesome. Okay, so where do we leave off? So we were talking about right field. Oh, well, I was just trying to say that every single position, that was just me finishing off saying every single position you should get more overall production and good play out of than you did at that position the year before. Right, yeah. Right, exactly. So, yeah, this is, I mean... It's, it's it's turning out to be so good. You know, it's looking promising. And thank God no one's gotten hurt. Nothing crazy's happened. You know, cross your fingers, right? I mean, you got a little bit of the flu bug, but, you know, that's not injury. That's not like somebody's shoulder exploded or something. I, I saw a quote from Quantrill, and he was, like, really bumming, you know, because he had to miss a start because of the flu. And, you know, he's itching because he's competing for a spot. I mean, he's probably the sixth starter, and he'll probably be in AAA anyways. And mm-hmm. But, I mean, if somebody gets hurt, he wants to be in that mix for that last – to fill their spot. What are, what are the – okay, this is a tangent. What are the chances that the Red Sox do the deal now that Sale might be hurt? Well, the thing about Sale is I was, I was thinking that, well, if he needs Tommy John surgery, they might get desperate and see how Myers is hitting and be more willing to take him on and – his contract, but I mean, now that sales, you know, not going to have Tommy John, it appears. I oh, saw that not. today. Oh, okay. I didn't he know that. He said he was unlikely to have Tommy John. Now I don't think the Red Sox will get that desperate. Okay. But uh, Quantrill was always the guy that was rumored in that deal. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. So, uh, yeah. So this is great. So you were, how many games did you see when you were out there in spring Three. training? So which games did you go to? I saw the Friday night game against the Chicago Cubs in Peoria. Okay. The Saturday game against Cincinnati Reds in Goodyear. And the Sunday game against the San Francisco Giants in Peoria. And that's the one you caught the ball. Yes. Right on. Mm-hmm. That's great, man. Good for you. So what else, man? What else you got go for the Padres? What do you think? I mean, that's, all, that's all I got on the Padres. Yeah, We've talked a, a lot about them. It's a ton, man. I'm, I'm just really, really excited. Yeah, I got a lot of takeaways from spring training this weekend and just what I've seen in the spring so far in general. And that's what I got on them. But I love that you are impressed with Tingler. Because mm-hmm. um, I haven't heard much about that, um, you know, other than, you know, some of the players have made some comments. But to hear it from fans that they're excited about Tingler, I think is great. Yeah. All right. Right, right on, man. So what are we going to talk next? Maybe Aztec hoops? Yeah. I mean, I was kidding when I said they had to lose a game last time. <laughs> I was kidding when I said that. Right. But, mm-hmm. oh, well, they did. It happened. You know, takes the target off their back. You know, mm-hmm. the undefeated season pressure is off now. But it does really suck because hours after that, Gonzaga lost to BYU, and that would have been our opening to get the one in the West. So that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, that 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 was disappointing. I, mean, I was watching that game. I was up in Reno that weekend and watching the game with some of my friends, and uh, they just they, they just couldn't hit a shot. And UNLV was just playing out of their mind. I mean, yeah, it, it happens. It's it happens. Mm-hmm. It's it's college basketball. It happens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just sucked that it happened, you know, right before B, uh, BYU beat Gonzaga. And that would have been our opening for the one seed. Yeah, well. In the West. But, I mean, that's still possible. We'll get into that later. But I do have a couple concerns with them. Like, the defense in the first half has not been good the last three games. No, not, not at all. 37 to UNLV, 36 to Colorado State, and what, 45 or t- was that to Nevada in the first half? Yeah. It was forty five thirty six at the half. I think. Yeah, they they got to clean up. They got to they got to play better defense in the first half. Going well, they've forward. been averaging fifty six defensive points. F- a it's fifty eight, but I get your point. So it should be like twenty eight a half, roughly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if if they're giving up thirty something or forty something in the first half, that's not cutting it. No, that's 
That's not going to cut it. I mean, you can get away with that against these teams. Like they got away with it against Colorado State and Nevada, and they almost got away with it against UNLV. You can get away with it, but I mean, not in the NCAA tournament. You're going to lose in the round of 32 if you if you're going to spot because what like I think I don't know if this is the most recent one, but in a bracketology recently, I'm not sure if it's the most updated one. They had them playing floor. They had the eight nine that they would play would be St. Mary's or Florida, and Florida's kind of sneaky. Like if you get them and fall into a hole in the first half, that's that would be tough. Wow. So so wh- they got to clean that up. They wh- got to they got to focus on defense in the so first half. So what's the problem? Are are they giving up too many points in the paint, or is it more on the three point arc? To me, it just seems like. Well, UNLV, you know, they fired them up by hanging the banner before the game. Yeah. You that was that was pretty stupid. In my yeah, opinion. They, I agree. Because I mean, I understand. Like, yeah, you want the seniors to be up there for, and you don't know if they're going to be there next year or whatever. But mm-hmm. you don't do that before a game. They, that gave you UNLV was like, okay, you're going to hang a banner on us. We're going to go out there and kick you in the you know what. Now that you did that to us, yeah. And that's what gave UNLV the big lead that they just barely hung on to. So that bulletin board material. Really backfired on the Aztecs. Yeah, it did. So that's what happened against UNLV. Colorado State, I don't know what happened, but Nevada, they just they came out fired up too, and they just couldn't miss a shot. Yeah, yeah, they were unbelievable. So that Jalen Harris guy, he's damn good. I, I mean, I don't. I mean, congrats to him for winning newcomer of the year. But how do you win player of the year as a newcomer and not be newcomer of the year? <laughs> Only in the Mountain West, as Mark Ziegler said. Yeah. Only in the Mountain West. Right, right. <laughs> I don't get that. Anyways, another concern is, I mean, they kind of, the way they played offensively against Nevada kind of eased this concern for me, but the UNLV and Colorado State games, they were just shooting way too many threes, even when they weren't falling. They weren't trying to move the ball, get into the paint, and they were just shooting way too many threes those two games. That kind of worried me, but the way they played against Nevada, I mean, they scored 83 points with Shackle and Mitchell in a lot of foul trouble, Mm -hmm. so that's not really a concern to me. Malachi drove in the lane a lot in that game against yeah. Nevada. And he Malachi really woke up. He'd been struggling the previous couple games, but he mm-hmm. he busted loose against Nevada. So that was awesome to see. It was terrific, yeah. But, and, but Yanni is cooled off. It seems like they double-team him, and then he can't really work his way through it. Yeah, I mean, he's been real quiet the last couple of games. Hopefully, I mean, we're playing Air Force in the first round of the Mountain West Tournament tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, not first round, but our first game, the quarterfinal. Yeah. And Air Force doesn't really have a big guy. Because, you know, they can't, because I've just said this before, you can only be a certain height to fit in a helicopter. Yeah. So they can't, so they legally can't have big guys. So hopefully tom- that'll help Yanni get back on track tomorrow. So what time is the game tomorrow? It's 11.30 a.m. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I've got to get ready for that one. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> real early game. I mean, but hey, I mean, I'm not real worried about that game, but UNL, we're, Unless Boise beats UNLV, we're going to get UNLV again in the semis. And why on earth would you have a conference tournament at the home arena of one of the teams in the conference? That is yeah. the stupidest thing, and that should not be allowed. Well, you think if they wanted to keep it in Vegas, which I understand, then play in another facility. And I think we had an opportunity to move, didn't we? Like once they built, because they built a brand new one. In Vegas, yes, and the Pac-12 was going there, and I think that freed up the MGM that potentially we could have gone to. But I think there's a financial incentive to continue playing at the Thomas and Mac. Yeah, well, I mean, it shouldn't be in Vegas at all. It shouldn't be in the home city of one of the teams. That's just that shouldn't happen, right? Put it in Phoenix or Denver. Even Salt Lake City would be more fair, right? 
But no, this this stupid conference. Yeah. Like like I just said, it's it's a conference where you can win player of the year as a newcomer and not be newcomer of the year. <laughs> and not even be the best defender on your own team and win defensive player of the year. Well, then even tonight, I wanted to watch some of the games. They, they weren't even on regular cable TV. It was, I think, only on the Mountain Network, right? Yeah, I mean, what kind of amateur hour conference is this? I mean, it's, it's just stupid. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, a top 15 team since the middle of January, and... Up and half our games were on Facebook streams. It's like, what kind of conference is this? Right. Then again, the Big 12 only has a lot of games on ESPN Plus. So, I mean, it's not just a Mount West prom, but at least ESPN Plus is something that like people like pay for to watch like UFC and events like that. But mm-hmm. putting games on Facebook for a top 10 team in the nation, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I agree. All right, now that my rant about the conference is over, let's get into seating for the possible NCAA tournament. Yeah. And I got to say about this is, I mean, I'm not going to complain about being a number one seed, but that's just so unfair to put us in the East with Michigan State and Duke. And I don't know why Duke's even in the East. I mean, they have some bad losses. Clemson's not good. Wake Forest is terrible. Stephen F. Austin. I mean, Stephen F. Austin's a tournament team, but that's not a team Duke should be losing to at home. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not a tournament team, but they're like projected to win their conference tournament. Mm-hmm. And Lunardi has them as a thirteen against. But how how accurate is Lunardi typically? He's usually pretty good. He is, but okay. I ho- God, that would suck to be in a region with Duke and especially Duke with their record at Mass and Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. Michigan State. I mean, that's a little inter- interesting to me because they seem to do well, like when they're not expected to go on a run, mm-hmm. but. Sometimes when they're favored, they don't do as well. Like, remember when they were a two seed and a lot of people were picking them to win it all? And then they lost to the 15 middle Tennessee State. Yeah. But then in other years, they do better than expected. So Michigan State's kind of weird like that. Mm-hmm. And knowing the way the national media works, except John Reinstein, because he actually likes us. <laughs> but a lot of the national media would would pick Mich- would make Michigan State a popular upset pick over us in the Sweet 16 as the four, with us as the one, if that holds up, like it is in Lenardi's latest that came out on Monday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that a lot of people would pick them against us as a popular upset pick in the Sweet 16 makes me think that, you know, they're kind of expected to do that, and that's when they don't do as well. So we could win that. Plus, they would be projected against Stephen F. Austin. That's a, they've gotten quite a few upsets as a double-digit seed in the first round. Right. Like, I remember I picked West Virginia to go pretty far in 2016, and Stephen F. Austin upset them in the first round. So Stephen F. Austin, and that's not the first time they've done that either. So you got to hope that Stephen F. Austin, you know, maybe they pull up another one of those upsets if they do play Michigan State. And the five twelve is Auburn UCLA, and Auburn to me just—I mean, it's weird saying this because they were the last undefeated. They seem like one of the more overrated teams to me. Well, they just lost tonight, didn't they? It wasn't even somebody good either, huh? And it was at home. They lost to. Uh, it was at Auburn. It wasn't to a ranked team. Yeah, who the hell did they lose to? It was a oh, was was it Georgia? No, Georgia lost to Florida tonight. Yeah, no. Then crap, who was it? Not Notre Dame. Notre Dame was playing someone else tonight. I don't know, but they lost at home. Yeah, yeah. And that's they lost at home to an unranked team. I mean, and the the five twelve is a common upset pick, anyways, for the right, twelve. Right. And the twelve that they would play, according to Lenardi, is a red hot UCLA team. Oh wow! So okay. I could see a scenario there where maybe you know Stephen F. Austin. And Michigan State kind of hold up their trends, like, you know, Michigan State not winning when people think they will and winning when people think they won't. 
and then seeing if Austin, you know, pulling an upset, you know, UCLA, you know, that would be a pretty popular 12 over a five pick if that happened. Mm-hmm. So then maybe you get like a 12 13 there. And then if you get past the round 32, you got, you know, a double digit C in the Sweet 16. So that could work, but that could work in our favor. But Duke at Madison Square Garden, I really do not want to see that. Yeah, I think anyone does. That's why everyone's kind of fearful. I mean, you see, their, you see Duke's record at Madison Square Garden. They beat Kansas there at the start of the season. Wow. So you do not want to see that. So that's why I really don't like that. But fortunately, there's hope for us to get out of the East. And I say this because if we win the Mount West Tournament, I still think there's a decent shot that we can get a one seed somewhere else. John Schaefer talked about this yesterday. And here's what I got for each region, how we can get a one somewhere else. Kansas and Baylor play each other in the Big 12 Tournament. So then one of them has to lose. Right. And then hopefully the one that loses lost their regular season finale. And both teams have a tough regular season finale. So you got Kansas at Texas Tech. Oh, okay. After Texas Tech gave Baylor a close game in Waco last night. Right. And then Baylor has to go to West Virginia. Okay, that's no walk in the park either. To end the regular season. Uh Uh-huh. So it's very possible one or both of those teams could lose, and then if they face each other in a Big 12 championship, one of them has to lose again, and then if we win the Mount West Tournament, you can't say, well, they've lost, that team has lost two games since we last lost a game. Then you'd think you could put us as a one, you know, in the Midwest if it's Kansas, or the South if it's Baylor. Then you could put us in as the one there if we win the Mount West Tournament and the team that loses the Big 12 championship also lost their regular season finale. But what John Schaefer wanted and said was the most ideal was we win the Mount West tournament and then Gonzaga loses to St. Mary's or BYU in the West Coast tournament because then, you know, they just swap us and Gonzaga. Yeah, that'd if be we good. won the Mount West tournament and Gonzaga lost to BYU or St. Mary's in the conference tournament, which could happen. That was a... St. Mary's scratched and clawed against them in Spokane yeah, they did. on Saturday at mm-hmm. BYU. Kind of took it to him in Provo, so get him on a neutral floor at, I believe it's Orleans Arena in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Get them on a neutral floor and, you know, see what happens. If Gonzaga loses a game and we win the Mount West Tournament, you know, flip-flop with them, then we're in the West. And we got Viejas North in the Sweet yeah. 16 Elite Eight if we can get in the West. So God, well, That would be so sweet. That would be so sweet if that could happen. Yeah. So you got to so be rooting against Kansas, Baylor, and Gonzaga, and hope we win the Mount West tournament so that we get out of the godforsaken Eastern region and don't have to see Duke at Madison Square Garden. Any chance that Dayton gets a number one seed? I don't see it. I mean, people say we don't play anybody, yet Dayton is ahead of us because they get credit for good losses. Yeah, which makes no sense. So if Wyoming plays fifth, plays the entire ACC and loses to them all, Wyoming gets credit for 15 good losses or whatever? <laughs> no, that's stupid. Right, it is stupid. Um, but, uh, you know, again, East Coast bias, right? Yeah, and that's the thing about Dane is, like, where's their good wins? I mean, they're 20-2, and two, but what's their best win? I don't know. I, I'm not even sure. People are like, oh, well, they played Kansas tough for, like, a half. It's like, okay, great. They played them tough for a half. What do they get? A cookie? Yeah. So that's I, I don't get that. So I don't get why we're ahead of Dayton. I really don't. Yeah. So we'll, I guess we'll see how it all sorts out. But this, you've clarified it. So we want Gonzaga to lose to BYU or St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. We want to see Baylor or Kansas lose one more regular season game, 
and then we know at least one of them is going to lose in their own conference tournament. Yes. So the, ideally, Texas Tech beats Kansas and West Virginia beats Baylor on Saturday. So then it's like, okay, let's hope they mean the Big 12 championship. So like one of them has to lose a second time while we win the Mountain West tournament, and then we're in. So And then we're into a 1C in that region. And I think this is possible, and I'm really hoping for it. Or you could hope that just Gonzaga loses to St. Mary's or BYU. That would be a lot easier. Now, take me back here a little bit. So now, since we're doing the Mountain West Conference Tournament a week earlier than normal. Yes. Are we still, like, let's say the Aztecs win out. Are they still going to have to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Or could they go Thursday, Friday, Sunday? Do you know? Because they could, they could play Sunday now, where maybe before they couldn't. I'm not sure what you're trying to say by that. Because before you had to win three games in a row in three consecutive days, mm-hmm. right? Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday. Yeah. And then there was always Selection Sunday, the next day. Yeah. Um, but uh, if we are, if we have like a whole week left, you know, we have a whole extra week. I was wondering if they were going to plan any of the Mountain West Conference tournament games on that Sunday. No, it's so still then, on Saturday. Yeah, because because then it would give a little bit of rest in between games. Because that's always. I mean, big... that would be smart, but this conference is dumb. Like I was just <laughs> ran, I was just ranting in about five different ways how dumb this conference is. Right, and that's another one right there. So, so, there's, so there's this still, is a dumb conference. So they're still going to play, you know, through Saturday night. So correct. Okay. But then, you know, imagine if the Aztecs went straight right through that. They got a whole week off to kind of work up some new defense, work up some schemes, and integrate Nathan Mensah again. Yeah, and that's a great thing, too, is like some people are like, oh, we're going to get rusty and stuff like that. I mean, we've had long layoffs in the season before, Mm -hmm. and I know it's a different sport, but I like making cross-sport comparisons a little bit. In 2017, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, they were what? 10 and 2, Wentz got hurt. They kind of struggled at the end of the regular season, but they played weak enough teams that they were still able to win and but they had a lot of questions going into the playoffs, but they were still the number 1 seed and during the bye week, Doug Peterson implemented a bunch of things from when Foles had that magical 2013 where he had 27 touchdowns, two interceptions and they incorporated some RPOs too and stuff like that during their bye week. And it made all the difference in the postseason for the Eagles, and they won the Super Bowl. What's an RPO? Run pass option. Okay, okay, right on. It's like what the Chiefs do when, like, Williams is next to Mahomes in the shotgun, and Mahomes takes it. He looks to Williams. He either gives it to him or pulls it back and, you know, throws that slant to, you know, Hardman or Watkins or Hill or Kelsey or whoever. Okay, right on. Okay. Well, yeah, so they can work in some new schemes, some new set plays. They can... uh, Work on some new, you know, maybe they, they might maybe implement a little bit of that zone D, you know, kind of to have some alternative look for some of these teams sure. in the tournament. So, yeah, Dutcher will come up with some new schemes. And then also during that time off, you can think, OK, here's what the bracketology says. Here's some teams we might play and you can get some film on them and see what kind of defense they play, what kind of offense they play and practice against all these different kinds of teams during that week off so that you're prepared for anything. There you go. That's a good idea. Are you going to go to any of the tournament games in, uh, in Vegas for the Mountain West? Uh, actually, we're going to Dawn Patrol up Saturday morning if they make the championship. Good for you, man. That, that sounds great. So one, one, of my, um, one of the guys I work with, he, is, uh, he left uh, today. Mm-hmm. He took the family, and they're there for the whole weekend. He's a big-time Aztec fan. Awesome. So, um, And then I just saw like a, some person on Twitter. They, were, they flew into Vegas tonight. They said three-quarters of the airplane were Aztec fans. 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So there's a there's gonna be a it's gonna that's be a lot of Viejas East there at Thomas ex- and Mac. That's what it's gonna be, man. Viejas East, baby. It's gonna be great, man. I saw, this is just such a great month, you know. Uh, spring training, March Madness. Um, you know, NBA is gonna start getting interesting here. It already is getting interesting to me. And Steph Curry's back. Yeah, he's coming back tomorrow against mm-hmm. Toronto. So um, too little, too late to save the Warriors season, yeah. but he's very entertaining to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think the 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 people are paying a lot of money to go to that new arena in San Francisco. So yeah, they want to see him in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't. They know the Warriors are twelve and forty or whatever, but they don't care. They want. They're like, hey, I'm paying big money to be in this new arena. I want to see Curry. Yeah, exactly. Especially they're not seeing Clay Thompson this year. Mm-hmm. Durant's in Brooklyn now, although he wasn't going to play this year anyways. But still, yeah. So the NBA is going to be great, you know, and. Um, I've, I've talked to, I, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this guy. Um, there's a postal annex here in Poway, mm-hmm. right next to the Target. Yeah. And the guy that runs that place, his name is Dennis. Mm-hmm. Great guy. He's the biggest Dodger fan, Laker fan you're ever going to find. And so he's so, an L.A. guy? A big L.A. guy. And 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 so um, I would always bet with him Dodgers and Padres. And so now we've got to bet that if the Lakers and the Clippers face off against each other in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. I got the Clippers, he's got the Lakers. Well, I got the Clippers, too, because I'm riding with our Aztec Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, so I should. got the Clippers, too. So you think they're going to go all the way? They could. Break the curse? The Clippers, man, they've been jinxed for a long, long time. Well, it's like they always say, you can take them out of San Diego. You can't take the San Diego out of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, but and now they got more San Diego in them with Kawhi Leonard. But, hey, they're a great team. They got a chance to do something special this summer. So back to baseball. Have you got any tickets at all for um, the regular season yet? Well, we're doing uh, Tuesdays and Saturday nights again like we did last year. So is that like a 20-game package? Yeah, twenty about 20 games. Good for you. That sounds great, man. It's going to be great, and hopefully we'll be able to, you know, maybe make, maybe surprise some people. Maybe we'll get the NL wild card game here at Petco Park. Wouldn't that be great? That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right, so what else? I think we've we gone through your whole list. You had a lot. You came prepared. Yeah, there was definitely a lot to talk about. So I think we got it all, though. I think we did. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming, man. I oh, lo- thanks for having me. Always love having you. So um, we'll check back in probably once we get near like opening day. We'll be able to see the new rosters. We'll get some updates on uh, how the Aztecs are doing. So. Um, you know, maybe like what, what's today? Today's the fourth. Yeah. So maybe in a couple of weeks we'll have a you know a different snapshot of how both teams are doing. I mean, maybe I'll be on here after Selection Sunday too to see where we're going in the tournament. That, that sounds great too. So the you're always welcome here. All right. And, and you've so, only seen a lot of me in March because we got Selection Sunday and then who we're going to play in the tournament. Then we got Opening Day right after that. So so boom, boom, boom. So if we do like you know three or four back to back, no no problem. Yeah. So I'll so, probably be on at least twice more this month with Selection Sunday and Opening Day. So all right, right on. So I'm excited for it though. So, I love this time of year. It's a great time of year. So. Take notes, be ready, and let me know, and we'll schedule in here and into the the fabulous JRP podcast studio, and uh, have you here, and we'll t- keep talking sports. I'm excited for this year. This is this is a great month for sports, like we said earlier. It is, and it's 2020, man. So there's hope springs a term. It's a new decade. So for the Padres and the Aztecs. Put the past decades of San Diego sports failure behind us. It's the 2020s now, baby. Yeah, we turned the calendar. The odometer has changed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, all right, man. Well, Dave, thanks for coming. Yeah. All right. So uh, go Padres. Yep. Go Go Aztecs. Aztecs. All right.